Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And we have with us a returning guest, the long-esteemed Dayton Ward. Welcome back to the podcast. Good evening, lady and gentlemen. There you go. Good evening, sir. Yeah, it's awesome to have you back on, Dayton. It's been a while. It has been. I bet it's been like two years. Not that we haven't seen you. We've seen you around cons and stuff. We just haven't had you on the show. So It's it's because of that incident the last time, whatever it was. Something you said. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, it's my fault, because two years ago I started on the show, and I was like, that guy's not getting on. Yeah, there he goes. <laughs> Until he includes me in one of his books that I don't read anyways. <laughs> he includes me in all of his books. Can't write words without the letter M. That's right. That's, yeah. tr- that's true. Very true. Uh, so, Dayton, how's everything going? Like, what's been going on of, in your world that's of note? I've been a busy little guy. Um, I, well, since the last time I was on your show, uh, <laughs> I, I am no longer employed by corporate America. Uh, I left my corporate job last year, year now, and yeah. since then I've been writing full time. That's awesome. Yay! Uh, or attempting to write full time. We shall, you know, it remains to be seen if it's a successful venture or not. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. Um, You're living the so dream, dude. Living the dream. Yeah. So I'm basically a full time freelancer, and that's what I've been doing for the last year. I've uh, been staying pretty busy. Pocketbooks keeps me busy with the Star Trek stuff, and I've branched out into a few other areas. So. Just staying busy, trying yeah. to keep all the balls in the air, keep the kids fed. <laughs> so what's your uh, what's your latest book? Well, Kevin Dillmore, my writing partner, and I just had a new Star Trek novel come out at the end of October called uh, All That's Left. It's uh, the fourth novel in the Star Trek Seekers series, which is itself a spinoff of the Star Trek Vanguard novels. Uh, we alternate writing duties on that series with David Mack. He writes the odd-numbered ones uh, that feature the crew of the of a small ship called the Sagittarius, and then Kevin and I write the even-numbered books, and we feature the crew of the Endeavor, which is like a sister ship to the Enterprise. Awesome. Very good. Very good. So if you want to find Dayton, there's a book you can check out. And I have it on my Kindle now. Oh, yes, and uh, Miles reads them diligently. Miles oh, so. bought the one copy that I know of that's been purchased. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, tonight we're not here to talk about Star Trek. We're here to talk about Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Dun, 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 My favorite version of that is the Metallica version. <laughs> they did a version yeah that was my ringtone for like a year oh wow <laughs> yeah that was awesome uh, wowzer So Empire, now, so many people, you know, hail The Empire Strikes Back as being like the crowning movie of the original trilogy. Uh, How say you all? How do you chime in on that? Did you just do a how say you? Yes, I did. (laughs) I did. I did. I I, I own it. I said it. If I find out you're a Republican, we're going to have to have a serious conversation. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Just because I go. I'll say you. Yeah, I'll say you. Huh? I'm a blowhard. <laughs> I'm Jeez. sorry. 
That's a tangent. Never mind. We'll um, post. Keep going. Are you going to answer the question or what? Is the question aimed at anybody in particular? No, no. Dayton, go ahead. Oh. Take it. Uh, it's. I think it's probably the strongest of three of, of the original movies. And you can argue that it's the strongest of the six. Um, right. My my personal favorite is the first one. Start you know the episode. I know we call it episode four now. That's what the kids call it. But that's my favorite. But I think this is probably the strongest of the movies. Now, it, uh, it, what what makes it for you the strongest of the original trilogy? I think the story, the way it's structured, the way the characters evolve, the way the characters play out over the course of the of the film, uh, is the strongest in terms of Luke's progression. And all the other stuff that's going on with Han and Leia and, and the other folks and Vader's obsession with finding Skywalker, that kind of thing. I just think it plays very strongly, very consistently throughout. Yeah, in fact, I was um, reading something, uh, blanking on the guy's name, the guy's name that directed it. Um, Irving Kirshner? Thank you. Um, I was saying that one of the things that he was trying to do as he filmed this was to bring humanity to these characters, something that Lucas was faulted for in in A New Hope of having these characters being pretty flat, and he tried to bring a dimension to them. And you really do see that shine here in Empire and for the reasons that you're saying. I would so, agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And um, how about you? Uh, how do you feel about this movie? Where does it fit in context for you? Um. Right now, as the movies and the fan films stand, um, <laughs> Empire is the best one as far as story. It is the richest one for me. I feel like there's much more character development. I feel like, um, and even as a kid after watching it, I remember this, I remember having more of the feels and more care. I, I, I was much more invested in the characters, seeing them in peril, working them, working together to 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 protect each other. And to it wasn't just a story being told to me. It was it was a story that was including me that wanted me to care about them. And I certainly did. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, of the of the original three, it is the richest as far as 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 story and character goes. If I include the fan films, it it, it doesn't change. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very curious to see what the future is going to bring. What we what's the countdown? Are there people asleep in front of movie theaters yet? No, but there probably will be. <laughs> so. But there'll be long lines. And there'll be long there. lines and lawn chairs and tents um, waiting out there. I. Yeah. Pre-purchased my ticket to go see it at the Air and Space Museum in DC, like a week and a half ago. So I'm just gonna walk in and get my seat. Yeah. Um, and a lot of theaters now with their um, the they have assigned seating. Yeah. I wonder if now it's just the 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 cliche of it and the the you know what's the novelty of staying out all night and camping out in front and being the first person to see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Most most of the theaters I go to anymore have reserves have reserved seating, so mm. I don't have to mess with that kind of thing anymore. And I don't know that I'd have the patience for it <laughs> at this point in my life, you know. But yeah. the Empire just is is there's there's a wonderful little perfection in there that I enjoy. Uh, it's got as little. It's got its you know. It's not perfect, but I for me it was just it was well. It's it's delicious. 
even though I don't, I don't like, they didn't do much. I don't remember much augmentation happening to empire as did in, um, the first and the third film. Well, they were more minor, more minor augmentation. You mean, Oh, if you mean for like for the special, yeah. When they, they like, yeah. When Chuckle had this added person. Stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he added as much. I mean, there, most of the stuff he does here is real subtle. It's like, it's uh, they like, open up, they open up cloud city with lots of windows and things right. like that. They do right. that. Um, they, um, uh, they, they added, they changed they added, Boba's voice yeah. to, and they, they yeah. added the right actor for the, uh, for, uh, the emperor. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a girl this time. Well, it's, I thought it was Alec Guinness. <laughs> Somebody told me once it was Alec Guinness in makeup. Yeah, I know. But no. I don't remember. No, there's a I, grandma. Yeah, there was a, it was it was some some check that I didn't know. <laughs> what do girls know? <laughs> in the kitchen, woman. Uh, they, they, they can't play emperors. Girls can't be Jedi. Yourself and out of the empire. <laughs> oh my! Whatever. Yeah. So, Miles, what about you? Yeah, Miles, tell us. I would say, as a child, uh, when I watched it the first time, I, I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't my favorite. When I rewatched it as an adult, it was my favorite. Seeing our heroes under such uh, under such pressure, being pursued, um, being put in really bad situations, and seeing if they rise to the occasion was much more satisfying. So, to me, that's the strongest. I would say, for me now, it's definitely the strongest of the. Uh, of a series yeah you know what I, I was thinking as we were talking here tonight I don't remember when I watched these films I mean I remember watching these films I just don't remember Empire really it felt like a middle film for me at the time when mm-hmm. I first watched it but as I've gone back and rewatched it there are so many defining moments of this film that make it so iconic for me that it's become, I think, of the three, my favorite. I mean, so many scenes I'm sure we'll talk about that just stand out. There are moments we were, we were chatting at supper about some of the favorite scenes out of this movie. And they're just, they're the things that define it and make it. And I just don't have as many of those moments in the other films. Mm-hmm. They're there, but yeah. I think um, it's that rare sequel that, brings back it, it that improves on the original it, it it gives you enough of what you were liked about the original its own mark uh, that's how i look at it no i i would i would agree with that i would agree with that um all right well so uh we, let, let's talk about we just mentioned a little bit about when we first saw it um do you remember do any of you remember you know seeing it for the first time where were you tell me a little bit about that I not only remember seeing it for the first time, I remember the anticipation of seeing it in theaters. Um, so you did see it in theaters? Oh, yeah. And just happy when you saw it. I mean, it was, it was big news. So the, the news might play a, a little clip of it. And, you know, just I would be just totally drawn in. I remember one of the first things they showed a clip of the Millennium Falcon landing, you know, in, in Cloud City and seeing Lando Calrissian for the first time. And they, they showed a little tease of the, um, the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth Vader. They didn't show the fight. You just saw Luke turn his saber on and, and Vader turn his saber on. And they stopped it. But it was just like, I, I, I was just, just Jones in to see it when it was coming out. Yeah. How about you, Adam? 
I remember being in a car full of my brother's friends. <laughs> and they were all older than me and being total jerks. But I remember as soon as we were sitting down and I had my popcorn and the lights went dark and it was just the most, del I was so happy. I loved it. I loved, for me, it was, it was all about Princess Leia and, and who knew that, you know, all these years later, it's all about female empowerment. But back then it wasn't to fulfill a need. It wasn't, it was just an incredibly well-written female character that I was thrilled that she had a gun and she was fighting and she was tough but she was strong and and I, I didn't realize how in this film how amazing of a female character she was and of the three films she this one portrays her the best for me absolutely the best and it's been she's been the the when she's in cloud city to me that that whole the whole experience of her in Cloud City, dealing with everyone and how she's kind of smooth and kind of watching. And, you know, that has stuck with me forever since the first time I saw it. Um, so that that's that was that's my point of view. Oh, very good. And Dayton, how about you? When, when, do you remember seeing this movie? The first oh, time? yeah, I was uh, 12, almost 13. And so and I did stand outside. Uh, I was living in Tampa at the time so it was and school was still in session so i mean literally you get home from school and my friend's mom dropped us off at the movie theater so we could stand in line for the seven o'clock show that's awesome um and we had been anticipating it for months and you know this is way way pre-internet so we're talking starlog magazine and clips in the paper and the occasional thing on tv so we were we were pumped for it um and of course you know the movie theater was crowded you know stuff to the rafters and everything and we were all jazzed about it <laughs> it wasn't like the it wasn't like the first movie that kind of snuck up on everybody. We all were ready for this one. Right. Um, you know, the first movie kind of just sort of happened. <laughs> and right. Next thing you know, it's it's the greatest thing since Betty White, and we're all standing in line for whatever reason. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I say that because Betty White was born before sliced bread was invented. So right. Betty Dang, White, yo, sliced bread is the best thing since Betty White. That's right. <laughs> so. I'm totally stealing that, um, yeah. by the way. There you go. So, yeah, we were jazzed. I remember loving it. You know, of course, you know, and the, and the only way to see a Star Wars movie the first time is on the big screen. I don't care how old you are. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. It was, it, I, I agree with all of M's points about, you know, the strong characters and the strong writing and a solid story. And just, I was ready to see it the instant the credits rolled. You know, I was ready to go right back around and get another ticket and go watch it again. How about you, Scott? Um, I saw it on a Commodore 64 monitor <laughs> that my dad had rigged up to a VCR that could get TV channels. And so it was one of the first times they must have aired it on network television in the 80s. I did not wow. see this in theaters. Um, and, you know, we just, you know, I grew up, we grew up without television for the most part, but we had rigged this up to catch some movies and some stuff in network television and Commodore 64 was one of the best machines of the time. And, um, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm totally dating myself here, but this is, uh, I, so I did not go to theaters. We didn't go to a ton of movies growing up. Like I think my brother like saw ET when it came out, but I didn't go to a lot of movies until I was like, you know, 16, 17 running around. And so when this movie came out, I was like 10. So two years younger than you, Dayton. Um, 
and it uh, and it I just didn't I mean I was aware of it because you know I go shopping with my mom and they would have the, all the toys and I was really into like the the little the the, the younger novelizations of it at the time um, but that was probably where I first saw it and I and I and I, and I loved it I mean I, I I've always liked the Star Wars franchise it was probably my first uh, real big franchise and, uh, that I really got into because I didn't grow up with like Star Trek or or, or anything like that as far as regular television goes so but that's where I would that's how I encountered it so um, but it was good yeah so. I think that's an important distinction to make about Empire is that by the time Empire came out you know the Star Wars merchandising machine was running on all cylinders oh yeah and you know it, it, it kind of didn't with the first movie the first movie they didn't even think it was going to make it they didn't yeah. think it was going to be that successful. And so when it hit big, everybody wanted Star Wars toys, and there were none. Yeah. They weren't they weren't coming out until after Christmas that year. And Lucas I mean, Lucas held those rights. When you bought, when you went to the store to buy Star Wars toys, you got to buy a voucher right. <laughs> that you mailed in, and you and then they would mail you the first four action figures that came off the, the, the run. That's awesome. So that's, it was insane back then. So. Did, you, did you get them? I did. <laughs> do, you, do you still have them? No, I don't have them. No. <laughs> no, that's awesome, though. I remember getting them, but I don't remember getting them for Christmas. But, but I do remember yeah. getting them. Yeah. But I do have a copy of. I still have my copy of the paperback that had of Star Wars, the you know the the, the novel, and it's uh, on the back. It says "Soon to be a major motion picture from 20th Century Fox." That's right, because they released that like a uh, month, like a but... year ahead of the movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. I have. Uh, hang on here. I don't know if you guys can see. You guys can't see it on the on the ramp, but I have my Empire Strike Back. Uh, it is the Marvel Comics version. Yeah. Oh, hold it up to the hold it up to I the have, camera. I have that it? one somewhere. Hold on. Yep. Talk so that you show up in my window. Hey, hey, M. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. I I remember buying that one. I remember buying a version of it where Yoda looks completely different. Yeah. Uh, in a later version of the comic, they went back and redrew him so that he looks like he's supposed to look in the movie. But there's a there's a version of it out there where he looks more like a goblin. <laughs> you know what? I think I saw images of that somewhere. That's awesome. It might have been like in a magazine version because yeah. they released it in three or four different versions. So. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we like to do here on the podcast when we talk about movies like this is we like to test people's trivia, how well they really know the films. And I think... It's hard because Star Wars films have been watched so many times and people know these fairly well, but are you guys up for a little bit of a uh, trivia contest? Sure. Always up for Star Wars trivia. Not not that you're going to win anything. I was going to say, what do we win? Just for for, for bragging rights. Geek cred. Geek cred. Uh, So how many languages does C-3PO tell us he knows? Five million, six million, five billion... Six billion. Six million. Yes. Six million. Six million. You are correct with six million. Okay. Who is in charge of the Empire's ground attack on Hoth? General Veers, Grand Moff Tarkin, Darth <laughs> Vader, or General Adnan? General Veers. General, General Veers. And you are all correct, you big giant nerds. I love you. <laughs> yep. Woohoo! Why can't the Millennium Falcon jump to hyperspace? Damaged hyperdrive motivator? The Falcon hasn't got hyperdrive? 
Chewbacca destroys the hyperdrive. Han forgets how to make the jump to hyperspace. That was too easy. Damaged. Uh, dumbest question yes. ever. Damage motivator. Damage motivator. Yeah, the rubber band broke. Damage motivator. <laughs> I know. The, the hamster, the space hamster. Yeah, let let me tell you, the motivator is broken on a bunch of my students right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, C-3PO gives Han some odds regarding the successful navigation of an asteroid field. What were the odds of doing this? 372 to 1? 3,720 to 1? Uh, 3,270 to 1? Or 327 to 1? I don't even know. They all sound, they, they all sound good. They all sound the same. They're all minutia. Oh, hey, uh, the last one. Well, it was 3,720 to 1. Han, never tell Han the odds. That's right, that's right. A little bit of trivia about that. In the uh, When you enter the asteroid field, the first two asteroids are, you know, the fake asteroids, but the third one in the corner is actually a potato. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. What does Yoda steal from Luke and R2-D2 on Dagobah? Hot dog. Bags, oh. blaster, lamp, or his X-wing? Lamp. It's a lamp. It's a, like lamp. a flashlight. Oh, he eats, he, eats, he eats the rations a little bit later on. That's what I'm thinking of. He takes his lamp. He's going to need that to get off this stinking. I know. (laughs) How does Yoda attack R2-D2 while he's trying to steal an item from his grasp? Does he use the force? Does he throw a rock at him? Does he fire a blaster at him? Does he hit him with his walking stick? Hits him with the walking stick. Yeah, he beats him with with a walking stick. (laughs) Um, When does Leia say Han is nice? Never? When he's being, when he isn't being a scoundrel, always when he isn't around Chewbacca. Never. Um, can you repeat them again? Uh huh. Hold on. When he isn't being a scoundrel, when he isn't around Chewbacca, uh, and then the other two I forgot because I already hit the button. Scoundrel. <laughs> I think this. I think the scoundrel one. When he's not being a scoundrel. Yeah. That's right. Uh. <laughs> To whom does Luke... No, this is written really badly. (laughs) Who does Luke see in the vision in the cave on Dagobah? Oh, Ben Kenobi. Nope. Darth Vader. Oh, oh, on Dagobah. Yeah, you're right, Darth. No, himself as Darth Vader. Well, he sees Darth Vader. Yeah, but it's him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, what Scott said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who commands the store destroyer, the Avenger, that is chasing the Millennium Falcon after it escapes the space slug's belly? Grand Moff Tarkin, Darth Vader, Captain Nita, General Veers. It's Captain Nita. Yeah, Captain Nita. I go with that because I don't know. I love you, nerd, so hard. Hey. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Captain hey, uh, Nita is choked by what? Darth Vader when he loses sight of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> so, Apology accepted, yeah, Captain Nita. Yeah. Hey, the, back backing up, the uh, one of the very first Star Wars novelizations I remember reading was Spectre in Mind's Eye. Anyone remember that book? I'm nerdy enough to tell you that it was Splinter of the Mind's oh, Eye. Oh, yeah, you're right. Splinter, <laughs> you're, you are. Yeah. Good, thank you. I got school. I did get school, but I'm glad to be schooled by you. That's awesome. And, and who wrote that? Do you remember? Alan Dean Foster. That's right. Alan Dean Foster did. And was that the first novelization or is that just my record? Is that the first one I just read? That was the first original Star Wars novel. 
that okay. was not you know like an adaptation of a movie script. Yeah, that was an awesome book. I remember I got it out of my library. They had it at the at the library I was going at school I was going to at the time. Awesome book. For some reason, I associate that book with that cave in Dagobah. I don't know why. Well, what's funny is it came out before Empire and then immediately became a problem once Jedi came out and we discovered that Leia was Luke's sister. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What? Because, yeah, yeah, because he That's got, it. I'm done with this podcast. Yeah. He's got a crush on her throughout the book. And, you know, it's like, okay, looking back on that's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you yeah. know. No, I know he doesn't know, but like I said, in hindsight, it's kind of creepy. Well, I know. The Lannisters have really kind of made that kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> Grosser than normal. The, there's a, there, on YouTube, there's deleted scenes of Empire, and there's a, there's a scene where uh, where Luke and Leia are a little too flirtatious. Yeah. 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 Anyways, go on with the trivia. I just thought about that when we were talking. That's okay. No, <laughs> I skipped some of the other questions because they're dumb. Okay. And we all knew them. Uh, okay, when Leia tells Han she loves him, what's his response? I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's awesome. I am your father. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> wrong one, sorry. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Where, does Lando... <laughs> Where does Lando say they may be able to save Han from Boba Fett? East, nor... East platform, south platform, north platform, or west platform? <sighs> I'll pick East. Uh, me too. I'll pick East also. Yeah, I'll okay, say East. I just watched this today, and it is East Platform. There you go. East Platform. East Platform. Does Luke's left or right hand get chopped off by Vader? <laughs> it's his right hand. It is his right hand. All agreed? Yeah, I'm going to say it's right hand. Yep. No, no, no. The other right. Oh, wait. <laughs> wrong movie. When hanging below Cloud City, who... Does Luke call for first? Lando, Han, Ben Kenobi, or Leia? Ben. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, it's Ben. Ben is correct. But Ben leaves him high and dry. But Leia does not. Who does Luke call for second? <sighs> and when he's hanging from Cloud City. All right. We just answered that. <laughs> Leia. Isn't it, Le- isn't it Leia? Yeah, yeah. It's Leia. Yeah. Who gets Luke from the top hatch of the Millennium Falcon? Lando. 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 Yeah. Yep. Oh, did any of you watch the robot chicken version of that? <laughs> I haven't seen it in a no. long time. Oh, uh, well, it's and uh, it's a funny scene, and and um, Billy, Billy D. Williams reprises uh, his character. Um, so he comes up out of the hatch, and Luke goes, uh, uh, some some effect, uh, Leah, help! I think I'm about to be mugged, and and Lando's like, oh man, and then he just goes back down into the Falcon. <laughs> what, where is this from? Robot Chicken. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh man. Wow. Wow. Uh, how many Tie Fighters follow the Millennium Falcon after picking up Luke? One, two, three, or four? Three. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say three. Three? Yeah, I guess two. I think it's three. But I'm sorry, that was not phrased oh. as a question. Um. Sorry, yes, it is three. Okay. Who fixes the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon? R2. Yeah, R2. Yeah. I don't R2 even to, yes. Yeah. Voila. Okay, next time I look for a quiz, I need to find one that's actually grammatically correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we did pretty well. We got like a. It's still calculating our. A billion out of a billion. That's awesome. We got 52 unicorns out of 75 Ooh. potato plants. That is awesome. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. unicorns. That's awesome. All right, so let's. Um, why don't we jump? We're about um, 30 minutes, 40 minutes into the podcast. Why don't we talk about some of our favorite moments, favorite scenes in this? Unless we want to take, unless we want to take a uh, another direction, but you know, we we all we all I'm sure have our favorite moments in here. So, uh, M, why don't you go first? Um, I just watched it today too, and there's just so much that's delicious. Um, you get one. I'm really? The, so, I have, have any of you seen the, the movie or the play, The, the Birdcage? We have Not Rob Williams. Yeah. So, the two main characters, the married gay couple, the, you know, one's very calm, very, the other one's just, Wah! so to ever since I realized that C3PO and R2 are basically the two um, lead characters of that <laughs> of that play um, <laughs> of that musical and that movie it's it it it's made me relish the moments between the two of them better and just what a giant queen C3PO is about everything <laughs> R2 is fixing C3PO on the Millennium Falcon as they're running away and C3 and R2 is like well you know the hyperdrive is fine and well, how do you know how do you know ouch that hurts well how do you have feelings you're a robot how do you have that and he's just being like a giant just tool and r2 just like i can i i poor r2 he just kind of toddles off to fix it and he's fixing it and c3po's yelling at him waving his leg going come back here and fix it you know how, how, how chewbacca can fix this and then all of a sudden it's fixed and you hear C-3PO go, hooray, you did it. And I thought, oh, my God, don't they have space in for you? <laughs> and just those little, that little sweet moment where they're finally back together after, you know, one movie being together and three fan films and all of that fun stuff. And just, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you're okay. Why aren't you fixing me fast enough? Just like the best old married couple ever. So for me recently, it's just, it's getting those wonderful little humorous, sweet, poignant moments between two inanimate objects that I enjoy. And that's something that's kind of unique. When you, when you look at, when you look at Star Wars, you don't typically, when you were talking about moments or favorite scenes in the movie, that's not something that typically comes up. Uh, many times the, ro- the you know, the droids are kind of, are considered as being the catalyst for, you know, bringing the kids into the movie in some ways. Um, so to hear you talk about it in that way is it's just neat. I think I I think they make the they help make the film. It it adds that little moment that you need because it's very serious what's going on. You've got everyone kind of separated. Han, who is you know our 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 rogue hero. He's in definite peril, and uh, Luke has just had this giant pile of poo smashed into his face, and then losing his arm. So you're just you're heartbroken over that, and and all throughout the movie, you're you know you're you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat, just worrying and and caring about them. And then there's this the two characters, two you know, and real important characters, kind of have their moment, and then you know, like a like. Like an inappropriately old 
you know, bitter woman would do. She's just starts bitching about some other stuff. Like, Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad to see you, but why aren't you fixing me? <laughs> and it's to me, I find them very, and I find them integral. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Just haven't thought about it in that way before. That's awesome. Dayton, how about you? Very pro robot. <laughs> well, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to like in this movie. It's hard to narrow it down to a single scene. But, oh, yeah. uh, I think I don't know if I call it my favorite, but I consider it looking back on it now that I've you know watched them so many times over the years, and now that with the prequels and everything, it's like I think the one scene that's kind of the linchpin for everything is that scene where Vader and the Emperor talk, because uh, mm. that that's basically right there. That's the, that's that's the that's the pivot point for the entire saga right there. When you see the relationship between the Emperor and Vader, who you don't yet know. I mean, if you've watched these in the proper order, you don't yet know he's Anakin Skywalker. Uh, and when I say proper order, you know, you watch the first two first, and then you watch the prequels, and then you watch Jedi. Um, that, oh, that's that, interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I call the proper order. We can get into that if there's time. But, I mean, I, I that's how I introduced my daughters to the movies, was letting them watch episodes four and five first to preserve the shock value of what, you know, Vader and Luke, uh, what Vader tells Luke. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the idea is that the prequels form an extended flashback so you get Vader's backstory. And then you fin you cap it off with Jedi, um, and to me that seems to work. But I mean that that one scene where they're talking about Vader going after Skywalker and what the Emperor sees in Skywalker that's that's the linchpin right there for all six movies to me. Uh, and I didn't come to that until you can't come to that conclusion until after you've seen all six of them. So no, and that's uh, and, that, and that's true. And that in that scene, that's the first scene that we actually see the Emperor in. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's the first time if you've ever seen the Emperor, and you don't really get... I mean, you see him, in, and then, of course, you know, he shows up in Jedi, but then you have to factor in the the, the prequel movies uh, to really get the gist of that one scene. That scene takes on an, an additional layer of, of power right there once you have all the other stuff feeding it. No, no, definitely. Definitely. No, I agree. That is a powerful, powerful moment. And, and I like your explanation about viewing the the prequels as being kind of flashback scenes to tell the story of well really Vader and the Emperor so. yeah they, they I mean because Lucas made a point to say something one time that that the that the saga the entire thing is, is Anakin Skywalker's story and I disagreed with that I was like no it's obvious that the first three movies are about Luke Skywalker's story mm -hmm. um, and the and the first, and the initial three the, or the you know the later three uh, are Anakin's story but you can't tell one without the other, but this somebody came up with this order. I didn't come up with it. I, I read it on the internet and uh, decided to try it when I introduced my girls to the movies, and it works for me. It's really the only real way I'll watch them from now on. Actually, my preferred way is just to watch Star Wars and Empire and then get rid of everything else. But, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? Was that, that out loud? That was, that was. That's okay. I support it because those are two movies I approve. <laughs> no, if no. you had mentioned any others that I don't approve of, we would have words, sir. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's awesome Miles how about you a, a defining moment for you in this movie I don't, I'm not sure if it's defining but the whole chase between the Imperial Star Destroyers and the Millennium Falcon is just epic um, I, the little thing like the hyperdrive motivator not working gives us this beautiful scene of the Millennium Falcon evading four Star Destroyers and uh, TIE Fighters and that great uh, asteroid field uh, chase. Um, and seeing uh, 
there's a great scene where the Star Destroyers get so close, the, the Imperial officers see it, and they kind of just kind of like duck a little. I mean, because, mm-hmm. I mean, these two giant starships are going at each other, um, getting too close to each other. Um, you call them giant, but then there's the executor. Then, 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 then we get to Darth <laughs> Vader's <laughs> uh, Super Star Destroyer. You know, you just you, you see you see these Star Destroyers, which are big and badass enough. That's not enough. We have to have this this the Super Star Destroyer, um, which is mammoth. Uh, fly, you know, you just it, it's flying above. You see above. You see above a Star Destroyer, so you get the size relation between the two and. They had to outdo themselves, so they come up with this Super Star Destroyer, which looks total badass. Yeah, absolutely. But it is a great chase scene, and uh, seeing that, that interaction, interplay between them as they kind of escape Hoth is fun. Well, yeah, the character, inter- I mean, the, like like Am said, they're, they're in peril. I mean, uh, the, the, the ship is not at its best, and but so the only thing they have is, is their wits to survive this thing, and... Um, we we get to see what Han Solo is really made out of. Uh, he 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 kind of talked a little bit about um, evading star destroyers in the first film, um, but now we get to see him actually do it in this film, um, and see him basically after 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 the scene with the, with the, with the asteroids, he's hiding on a star destroyer on the back of it. He just kind of magnetizes the ship to it and. Uh, it's hiding back there and um, goes out with the trash. It was, so I mean, it's not the most epic part of the film, but I thought it was it was extremely well done. It was, a, and seeing it again was very enjoyable. You know, a uh, little bit of trivia for you. Does anyone know what the Star Destroyers were originally called in A New Hope? I didn't know they were called something else. I didn't either. Star Cruisers. Star Cruisers. Yeah, according to, um, in the original film they were called that, but also the novelization caused them that. That's pretty yeah. lame, huh? I'm glad yeah. they went with the other one. Yeah, me too. I like Star Destroyers. Yeah, Star Destroyers definitely it has more. better. It's, yeah, it sounds cooler. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, for me, I don't know, like I feel this is kind of lame after uh, M's diatribe and C-3PO and and uh, and R2D2 and Dayton's, you know, insight into the first meeting of. I was a diatribe, but Dayton is insightful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Excuse my poor choice of words here. Okay. <laughs> you're losing, man. <laughs> um, but um, for me, the moment that is forever etched in my brain when I first saw this movie is they're on Hoth and they have just. Um, the the empire has just launched their adats and um and and you haven't seen these yet although they've been mentioned um and they're looking through the binoculars and all you see are the ominous these ominous legs coming through the fog and the vapor on hoth and you're just like holy crap the rebellion is screwed you know it's the sound of those things uh, yeah it's a sound it's the it's a way they were filmed um and they tried to replicate that, by the, by the way, in Phantom Menace, when they are coming through the swamps and you see the ships kind of come out of the fog there and all the Gungans running crazy, you know, in front of them. But it works beautifully in Hawk because it's the first time you've seen these mammoth things 
and they're iron and they're steel and people are shooting at them and they're just not going down and you just know that that the rebellion is screwed and mm-hmm. it's just it's just for me um that impenetrability of the empire the fact that here's this incredible odds that the they are fighting against that they have to survive just it really pounded in that that moment just really pounds it in and you're just rooting for the underdogs so you know when the when the ships are flying around and shooting at them and they they aren't doing anything and then they have to kind of resort to you know tying a, 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 a cable and, you know, tripping them up. And then Luke, you know, does his little thing with a lightsaber and grenade. You know, it's just, um, it's all sort of this, you know, guerrilla warfare tactics that they kind of do to kind of survive, but they still can't take them all down. I kind of feel that when they destroyed the Death Star, they almost knocked some of the teeth at the Empire. We had to see that the Empire still had teeth, and they really showed they had teeth with, with, with those uh, Adat walkers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In in some ways, the Empire does come off as being kind of inept. Mm-hmm. You know, in these movies. But, but in in that scene, I mean, they they just overrun Hoth. Yeah. Well, so I know I limited you to like one moment. Are there other moments that you feel that like help define this movie and make it so iconic for you? And anyone can answer this. I loved it when Yoda used the Force to bring the uh, X-wing fighter out of this, uh, out of that swamp. Mm. Yeah, that is that is good. Mm-hmm. Dayton, obviously, the fight between Vader and Luke is probably the pivotal s- sequence in this film as far as moving the story forward. Oh yeah, I mean that's quite the bombshell when he, you know, drops some knowledge when he drops that knowledge bomb on Luke. <laughs> right. You know. Oh, and hey, how's your hand? Yeah, uh, so yeah. That's to me. That's uh, you know. That's probably one. It's it's the stuff like that that elevates Empire uh, as far as the story from the other movies. I mean, there's really there's really nothing like that in the other movies. I mean, they have their moments, and they're all good to watch one way. You know, they all have something going for them. Even even the prequels have something going for them. Uh, uh, but that's that's that truth bomb that he drops on Luke at that moment that blew everybody away in theater. Because we oh, didn't, yeah. you know, this is pre-internet, pre-spoilers. We didn't have any of that crap, mm-hmm. so we were all caught flat-footed and open-mouthed when he said that. Right. We're like, back that up. What did he say? You know. If I remember correctly, in some of the interviews and in the historical documents about the making of this film, there were only three people who knew until the filming of the until they filmed that scene. There were only three people who knew, and. Um, I think it was Mark Hamill when he found out. He's like, I have to carry this. I have to know this. And nobody, I can't tell anyone. You can't tell anyone who. And it was only three people knew at the time of filming, so that like people on set were all were all told, you may not that there were there, there may have been a they might have had to do a couple extra takes because that first one was filled with what and and all those moments. I, I loved that reveal. Yeah, that, loved that moment. And I, I was when I was watching it today, the fight when they're fighting and they, you know, come to me, Luke, I will take you down. And I'm thinking, why are you gonna take him down? You want him to join you? Why are you trying to beat him up? Are you just breaking him down? So he's become, you, you, you're just gonna piss him off more. You know, you the whole like you're gonna get more flies with honey than vinegar. Right. But there's and it's just. It's kind of neat that Vader doesn't have a face that you can read. Right. 
but the actor who was in the costume, there are just subtle body movements that you can see, you could physically see that he's noodling and trying to, okay, is this the point where I try and bring him in? Is this when I tell him? Is this, so there's, there's the quiet, just static acting, but subtle body language that just, it's delicious, delicious to watch. And uh, of course, these are all my astute uh, findings from, you know, 11 year old me in my, my little kitty diary book that I wrote in crayon. Um, It it was something I noticed today and I had really never paid that much attention to it, but it it was well, well done. I think just recently I've been paying attention to um, actors who don't get to have their face on screen, that they are just the costume and what they have to do. So like the, the dude who plays Chewbacca, I mean, he's a big lumbering oaf, but there's still little subtleties. But Darth Vader, there's like, his shoulders are pretty much static. He's got to fight double fisted because he can't really move his arms. I think his elbows are permanently glued to his side or they're only, like his shoulders are hinges. They're not ball and socket, so they don't really move. He's, he's much like his action figure. Um, <laughs> And, and and I was really impressed with that. Yeah, yeah. The uh, by the way, that line you mentioned, the the uh, where that big reveal, where yeah. that that Vader gives to Luke there, um, that line is often misquoted. Do any of you know what the actual line says? I think it just says, "Luke, I am your father." That is the misquoted version. Is that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what he said. James Earl Jones, by the way, even misquoted that line. <laughs> well, then. Yes, yes. I can be excused then. Right? You can. You can. <laughs> Anyone know? I told you, Miles. You can't. We already talked, it. yes. The, the actual line is No, I am your father. Not Luke, comma, I am your father? Not Luke, comma. Have you seen, so going back to the whole like product tie-ins and this new world of Star Wars that we're getting into, like I'm waiting for the Star Wars sponsored maxi pads to show up because (laughs) they are sponsoring everything. Coffee creamer, soup, soap, eraser. I mean, everything. The cereal cereal tastes terrible, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm Sorry, my brain just exploded from all the various jokes and distasteful things I could say leading out from her comment. Sorry. Amen, brother. That's for sci-fi diner after dark. (laughs) There's a Campbell's made this commercial for their Star Wars soup. And I'm watching, I'm like, oh brother. And it's this man and he's sitting down with his he's got his kid and he's feeding his kid soup and he's, you know, I don't remember the kid's name, like Jake. I am your father, and he feeds the kid soup. And then the this it opens up to this other gentleman on the other side with a spoonful of soup going no i am your father and and it's the cutest moment and then the other one goes yeah no you're you're so not a jedi <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just very sweet so like for me the commercial was amazing because they it's very now it's this is the family of now and and i as sick as i am of seeing like you know Use the force to guide your dental floss um, <laughs> kind of crap. I saw that and I was really just 
just in, in in I'm in love with that commercial. It's the cutest thing, and it's so well done. And it's not like Star Wars up in your grill. It's just this moment. So I'm glad to see Disney supporting this, and I'm glad to see like a very contemporary uh, world view of Star Wars now. Um, so going back to back in the old days, you know, Star Wars is mostly white people and Lando, and. <laughs> now as it grows and gets this bigger thing but the the line of you know no i'm your father that it reminded me of the campbell's thing and it reminded me that i wanted to talk about how um how forward and futuristic even the that that this this franchise has grown not just like sucking people in for the almighty dollar but really acknowledging who the fans are and who's going to watch this and who they want involved in this in this franchise and i i, I just i love it yeah i think i think one of the one of the things i like about star wars merchandising and tie-ins and things like that is that it's not afraid to poke fun at itself it's not afraid to not take itself so seriously all the time. I think that's one of the problems with Star Trek as a merchandising machine is it tends to overlook some opportunities to have some fun. Not so much they're, – they're getting better at it, but, I mean, there was a time where it's like, you know, the idea of a book like Darth Vader and Son. I don't know if you've seen these books. Oh, they're, but, oh, they're I, adorable. They're adorable. I but, own I mean, one, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the idea of a Star Trek equivalent to that, you know, you know, 10 years ago, they would look at you like you had a third eye coming out of your forehead. And uh, but they're starting to get better with that kind of thing now because it's been proven that you know a property, if if your if your if your property gets to the point where you can poke fun at yourself and take a little wind out of your own sails and, and have a good time, you're you're pretty confident as far as its place in pop culture, you know. Right. Uh, so I, I I I've always been both awed and repulsed and yet you know inspired by Star Wars's ability to merchandise itself. Yeah. I love the uh, you were mentioning commercials, Em. The Duracell commercial. There's a Duracell one. Oh, it's incredible! It's about this kid, and he puts his Duracells in his lightsaber. It lights up, and some, suddenly there's stormtroopers in his hallway shooting at him, and he's you know, fending <laughs> them off. And then he goes downstairs, uh, and he pops in, and it's Christmas morning, and there's his his parents are working around the tree. He goes, "Everything all right?" And he's like. And the mom comes up, you're our only hope. And then he goes out and his sister's being carted off by like stormtroopers. And he's like fighting them off. And it goes, and then it, it ends. It ends like, well, so right before that, you go over his house and there's the AT-ATs and the Star Destroyers coming over his house, right? And his parents are watching him out the window. And then when you flash back to the kid, they're like beating up these snowmen with lightsabers. Mm -hmm. And it's yep. just, it. Well, for me, the power of imagination is mm. it, it just captured it beautifully. And I, I get so, like, and so like the Campbell's commercial and like this, it's, you know, you know, inspiring us. Even the like battlefront ones where like the, uh, the X-Wing comes outside the guy's office building, you know. You know, there's, oh, a, wow. yeah, there's an artist who has created a series of uh, drawings that he's done. And of course, now I can't find them. Now that I want to find them, is that the one but with the, like the star star destroyer over like Seattle? And no, no, no. It's uh, it's basically a bunch of kids, like you described. They're playing. You know, they got cardboard tubes, they got whatever they have, and they're dressed in you know whatever they have that closely resembles their favorite character. And then in the back, kind of like like almost like an ethereal presence behind the kids 
are the characters from Star Wars that they're pretending to be. So like, you know, if, if a kid's got a, you know, his, his, his water pistol, he's Han Solo. You see Han Solo behind him in the same pose. And I'm blank. I mean, it's really cool because it captures that imagination. You're talking about when mm. we were kids and we were playing in the neighborhood and we were pretending to be the Star Wars characters or we were pretending to be the Star Trek characters. And, you know, we went to the playground and the big ball in the middle of the playground, the ladders, and the slides, and the crap, that was the Millennium Falcon or whatever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because we didn't have all that stuff that you have today. There were no video games. There were no computer games. There were none of this stuff you had. There were no alternate universes to, to embrace. Right. You just you just played. You went. You saw the movie and then you came home and you acted out the scenes from the movie or you made up your own things. That's so awesome. that's, what, that's where I remember about enjoying this stuff as a kid yeah i think it's one of the greatest pleasures i have watching my son my, my son's very imaginative so he'll watch like power rangers and th then he'll stop watching he'll run into his legos and he'll recreate mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. what he's what he's watching you know and he kind of takes a character's name and then changes it slightly and suddenly it's a whole new character that he's created and he's just totally stoked about it and uh, again it's just fostering of imagination that I love that you see in these commercials but I think that Star Wars did for a lot of us yeah so. my, my kids are doing something similar too they you know they we don't uh, we don't uh, we don't discourage video gaming and all that kind of stuff but we you know they definitely do migrate toward activities where they get to build things and put things together and then act out whatever you know yeah. and if it's it, it's, it can be Star Wars it can be Disney princesses it can be whatever and they they go back and forth without without missing a beat. So I have hope for <laughs> yeah. the future. You know. Yeah. So let me see here what else we have. Let's um, let's talk. Let's shift gears here a little bit and talk a little bit. Um, I know Dayton, you mentioned earlier some of the changes that happened in this film. Um, like with the uh, the windows and Cloud City and stuff, are there other changes that were most notable? I know maybe we did talk about this a little bit as much as we want to, but were there any other like major notable changes that you thought altered the film for you, or were they subtle enough that they didn't really bother you? Miles, is that from is? Oh, okay. no, no, so we'll bring Miles in here. He's been quiet for a while. Not really. They they didn't. At the M said it well augmentations um yeah that i don't think what 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 lucas how he augmented it from the original didn't take me out too much um i mean there was one scene that i don't recall when i saw it back in the 80s was where after luke and invader have their lightsaber battle uh you see luke uh, board his shuttle because you don't see that shuttle till the Return of the Jedi, but you see that shuttle in, in Empire and in, in the mm. re-release, him go back to his Star Destroyer. That's the only really additional scene I remember yeah. on change. I wasn't bothered by it in this one like I was in some of the other films. But em, how about you? Any thoughts on this? Um, uh, 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 Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett. That's right. He's not even called Boba Fett in this film. He's just referred to as the Bounty Hunter. Right. Yeah. It, I it it threw it does throw me because, like it's, I have a very clear memory of what he sounds like, and then after the fan films came out and I thought, oh geez, they're gonna go back and change things, it really kind of that cheesed me off. And then 
Um, it, it's unnerving. It just sounds weird to me. Um, and the other thing, too, which doesn't happen until the third movie, um, when, when Ben's life force comes back, we see Ben as he was when he died. And when Yoda's life force comes back, we see Yoda as he was when he died. But at the end of the third movie, Chuckles McGee Lucas changes it so that <laughs> Christian Anderson can get a little extra cash to pay for whatever acting classes he needs. And boy, does he need them. And it's, <laughs> it, they take out, and, and granted, the actor who played Darth Vader without his his helmet on was on for maybe minutes or seconds. But if I were his kid, I or any or if I was, it was it would just be an insult in general. But if as far as storytelling goes, why on earth? Oh, and then I hear the arguments. Well, technically, I guess Anakin died when he became Darth Vader. Uh, all right, but that's just stupid. And I won't, I don't accept it. That's, that's the argument but, I was going to give you, but you, you beat me to it. No, I don't <laughs> accept it. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right at all. Yeah. I think given that Anakin, to me, came back to life. Anakin was never dead. Anakin was just changed. But at the end, at the point of his death, he was Anakin again. He was Luke's father. He, he you know, the minute he picked up the Emperor and dumped him down the hole... Anakin was back. So right. for me, that was Anakin Skywalker, and that is who we should see when his when you see his life force return at the end of the movie. So that 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 watching it again today kind of triggered that rant for the future <laughs> when we record that show. Right. Or we can just copy this and paste it on just the paste next it one. In. We'll probably just rant again is what's gonna happen. But Boba <laughs> Fett, I don't know why the Boba Fett thing uh, unnerves me, but it just does to hear it. I can't. I can't even. Remember. I watched the other films so many times. I don't remember the original Boba Fett. So his voice is deeper and doesn't have an accent. Yeah. How about he you, uh, Dayton? Like a, he just sounds like a tough guy. Yeah. Dayton, how about you? I just. Well, I mean, I think we hit on it earlier. They don't seem to do as much yeah. tinkering in this one as they did in A New Hope. Uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars. Uh, I refuse to buy into that. Right. Um, I mean, it wasn't as overt. I mean, it, you have to. It, most of the stuff that I saw seemed to be just like, you know, peppering in additional movement in the background of the bigger scenes, like when the Falcon lands at Cloud City, and uh, maybe they're, they. I think they threw in a couple of the Scout Walkers on the Battle of Hoth. You know, the two-legged kind. I think you see a couple of them running around that weren't in the original oh, version yeah, of the probably. movie. But to be honest, it's been so long since I've seen the original unchuckled versions i gotta go with what em's calling it the chuckle right. versions or the chuckle mcgee versions or whatever and i did um i, I call I think, them fan films yeah like okay. them, like some schmo got his high school friends together and made the movies yeah. are you t is that what you call the prequels the fan yeah. films yeah. yes okay um i just remember thinking that the, the upgrades that they did for this one were a lot more subtle and not as in your you know they weren't as in your face as the first movie right was mm. Um, at least in most respects. Uh, I didn't even pick up on the fact that Boba Fett's voice changed. Right. Uh, that's how little I was paying attention. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I mean, overall, I think the there, it's an improvement. I mean, for one thing, it makes the movie look bigger, particularly the Cloud City scenes where they're walking through the corridors right. and you get shots of the outside. It just it makes it look bigger than it actually is. 
Mm. Uh, so to that, to that, that's a, that was a good move. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think some of the fades and wipes just make it up, up, make it updated, and don't bother me. Yeah, that doesn't bother me as much. Uh, like when I looked on Wikipedia at the list of changes, there the list for for Empire is well smaller than for um, than for New Hope. Yeah, I, I think I, I think they were. I mean, when they when they released him, they, would they do it like two weeks apart? I think when they released him back in '97. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So I think they wanted to wow us with the first one. And then yeah. I think we even said at the time, man, they didn't tinker as much with it at this time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't even remember how crazy they went with Jedi. Well, we'll find out next time. Well, I mean, aside <laughs> from the fact that they swapped in Hayden Christensen for the other yes. guy, yeah. uh, that was probably the biggest one. And, and, and I, and I, I can, I know I can see why my M's upset. Cause yeah. yeah, we were all, we were all hating on that dude at that point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. Yeah. That is. That's a just kind of, discussing how yeah. If, if, if Robert, Anderson, it, whatever his name is, ruined, not ruined, but just. just if I recall correctly, and we did discuss doing the prequels, and you refused to let us. Just, say, <laughs> just no, say, think, just say. I think my comment was, if you do them, I just won't do them with you. No. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Not because I I dislike them that much. Is I would t- I would I would just sit and and complain the entire time, and that's not fun. <laughs> that's not fun for you guys or the listeners. Nobody needs that. I that's mean, true. Nobody needs that, and I don't want to like turn this show into a giant like dumping ground of 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 prequel hate yeah because there are people who really enjoy them and i do respect yeah. them but they're wrong uh, yeah i don't i don't <laughs> hate i don't hate them i just you know they're not they're not my favorites i i, I can't watch them well there's always a holiday special Ooh. i can watch that <laughs> i'll watch that till the cows come home but the prequels i cannot i cannot bring myself to watch them and i do like some of it but I need to find the copy didn't some dude go and like recut them and release them on YouTube and they're only like 40 minutes long now and they're so much better <laughs> I, I heard that he, yeah. he took all the romantical crap although if it all weren't the Padme for, moments if it wasn't for those movies I wouldn't have the phrase Padme moments yeah. when I watch other <laughs> movies now yeah. so I will give you I, I'll give them that yeah. Yeah. Dayton have you heard my the about Padme moments and other when like Padme goes, you know, Annie, you're breaking my heart. Just this absolute ridiculous overflow of the feels. Well, I mean, I, I think the prequels demonstrate to a startling degree that George Lucas should forever be barred from screenwriting. Yes. Um, comes up with a great story, but let somebody else handle the actual script duties. Right. And then Well, yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is too. I mean, at that point it was the church of Lucas and he wasn't going to listen to the, uh, you know, to the, to the advice of more experienced folks. So I, I would like to have been in the office looking at his face when Disney released, Hey, we're releasing the original movies. Uh, just to see that moment of what the, what, <laughs> I thought I only had the guy. Uh, we're Disney jerks. We got everything. That's yeah. right. Where do, you, where do you think Laserdisc came from? Talking, <laughs> talking about. Carl still has them. We're bringing them back. Talking about Laserdisc, that's that's the thing that bugged me the most. The fact that they sped up The Empire Strikes Back by 3% for the Laserdisc. I think they did that to avoid having to pack another disc in that, I think or so. that box. Because back think then, so. I, I still have Laserdiscs, dude. 
and there that format is pretty unforgiving in terms of uh, how much you can fit on a disc. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I when they were putting out, you know, they had these they had certain editions of movies that came out, and if it was the, I forget the what the abbreviation was, but basically it was the highest level resolution you could get on a disc, and that meant about thirty minutes per side. That's right. So if you wanted to watch a movie like aliens or you know the right stuff or something like that that was three hours long or more you know we're talking four or five discs in that box that's right and we're talking and if you were lucky you had a player that flipped it for you uh, <laughs> or, or the double you know, it, the yeah. one with the two yeah, yeah or, or you know that where it would it would play both sides without you having to go over and turn it over you know i mean that's how far we've come right yeah so. i still remember i watched 2001 and laser disc that was awesome <laughs> yeah i have star wars on betamax Oh my God! <laughs> so it is the. It's like the. It was like the nineteen. It was one of the releases which had the least augmentation to it. But I have no longer been able to find a Betamax player that works. I had one and I had it going up until like four or five years ago, and then I just couldn't find parts. So there was, there was no play in it. I still have a Laserdisc that works. I still have the original Star Wars on Laserdisc. Oh, we're all going to Dayton Town. They're all going to my house. I'm coming. That's awesome. Um, the, the other thing too that I loved about the movie is this particular movie is how quickly you moved up on this on this how quickly you moved up the ranks. And if you were you could be like <laughs> yeah. a lieutenant in one minute, and then if you were standing next to the wrong guy, or if there were a couple of you and and Vader had killed someone, you're sitting there going, "I want to be a lieutenant. Just keep me a lieutenant. Just leave me a lieutenant." You know, <laughs> as soon as you heard your name, you know, Admiral. Uh, Steve. Oh, thank God it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm happy to help you. You can totally keep me as a lieutenant, dude. It's fine. Don't that need promotion. <laughs> it's the equivalent of Star Star Wars red shirts. Oh yeah. The minute you were promoted, you were you had maybe a screen time life of ten minutes. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> like uh, at some point somebody has to tell the Vader. You know, it's like, dude, I just promoted that guy. I don't have anybody to replace him. Stop killing my admirals. <laughs> I think Robot Chicken did something along those lines. Yeah, it's like I just, I, you know how long, it, you know how long, much it costs to train an admiral. God damn it, stop doing that. <laughs> and, and so. uh, sir, we're running out of executive officers. If you wouldn't mind, yeah. spare me a bring couple. me a sergeant. Yes. And then there's the one scene where he's getting reports from everybody while they're in the asteroid field, and like an asteroid slams into a ship, and then that dude's hologram just vanishes because he's gone. You're like, oh, you know, he's gone. But really, it's the, the entire ship. So thousands of people just died. Right. You know? And it's so casual. <laughs> Vader, <laughs> Vader could give a damn. <laughs> well, they're all British. So they're, and he's been yeah. around the Brits. And there's, you know, right. no offense to the Brits. But it's true. And they admit it that they're just very calm about terrible things. <laughs> so, you know, we are it, dressed in our best. And we are prepared to go down as gentlemen. They are <laughs> like, prepared to go down as gentlemen. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're incredibly well prepared for for peril and disaster. You know, just along that note, when you think about Star Wars, ours, as it's known, Star Wars A New Hope, um, for the shift uh, of Vader's role in that one to this one, like on the first one, like he's he's like, Tark, Tarkin like has control of him. Mm -hmm. and, and here suddenly you realize here is a right-hand man to the Emperor. Like there's a shift in authority here, it feels like for me. It almost feels like a retcon. At some point, because you're right. In the first movie, Tarkin's got his nut. He's, he, he tells him to knock that shit off at one point. Oh, yeah. And you don't see anybody else do that ever again. No. So 
It's kind of like the mafia, though. You've got your head of the house, you've got your head of the family, and then you've got your number one and your number two, and you know, in in stride. And I think because Vader came into the Emperor and his world as his apprentice, he still kind of felt in that like that was his position. He was still kind of it's it's been seventeen, eighteen years, right? So he's still kind of that. He's not exactly the Emperor's number one. He's he's still just in that process of learning. And then I think when, when the emperor realizes that a regular lay person and not, uh, not someone of the force that like, once he like screws up and the death star gets blown up, um, he blames it on the non Jedi people and decides, you know what? The only person who can get this done is Darth Vader. And that's when Vader becomes the emperor's number, number one. Yeah. At, that know, was just my thought process. But I mean, at the end of the uh, third movie, uh, Revenge of the Sith, you know, he's, they're standing together watching the Death Star be constructed. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, and, and I think there's a guy that looks to be, I think he's meant to be Tarkin. Right. That's what I took Tarkin, out of it yeah. too. And so, but yeah, I always liked that, that bit about in, in, in the first Star Wars movie that, you know, Tarkin was a guy who just, he didn't, he didn't care. He wasn't threatened by or intimidated by Vader. Yeah. And you never see that ever again. Everybody no. else around Vader forever is petrified. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just. But he's Peter Cushing, so that's which that's why. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we are running a bit long here, but any other thoughts before I do have one piece of listener feedback that I wanted to share here tonight that was sure. geared toward, but. Uh, Anything else, any quotes or any other things that you guys would talk about? We didn't really talk quotes, but we did kind of talk about them as we went through. Um, I thought I liked the addition of Lando Calrissian to the uh, series. It was was good. Yes. Uh, I mean, Han Solo's friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with friends like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just uh, cool character, cool, very good, good addition. Um, man of... Um, interesting um, you, you know like like Han says uh, you know after asked can you trust him he's no but he has no love for the Empire I mean so <laughs> right. you, you can't be sure where you are you want to be on hand on, on Lando's good side but uh, yeah um, so yeah the addition of him to we'll see him again in Return of the Jedi yeah and maybe in The Force Awakens maybe oh and the one after maybe there's rumors Mm-hmm. They'll cool. probably be in the Han Solo movie. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. So definitely, Lando's an important addition. Mm-hmm. So. Other uh, um, M Dayton. Any other thoughts before I read Jen's uh, voice uh, email? No, I, I, I think that's a good note yeah. to leave it on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it. The movie is quotable from beginning to end. It is absolutely. So it's, it's very, very difficult, but it's it really is the of of the Star Wars franchise and what I've seen of the TV shows and the movies and some of the smaller specials. It it after watching it again today, it is my favorite of the films. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd agree with that, and I think it's one of Jen's favorites. So this is Jen from New York who wrote in and said this. I wanted to write in with my thought about what I remembered about Star Wars Empire Strikes Back came out. 
I was eight years old when it first came out in theaters in 1980, as I recall. I didn't care for it too much when I first saw it. It wasn't my favorite back then. It was kind of dark and scary. I didn't like it when Luke got his hand cut off. Hand got frozen. We didn't even talk about that. That was really sad. But I've seen it more and more each time I understood more as I got older and really was a pivotal part in the saga to continue. We found out so many things and has since become one of my favorites. We learned a lot. We learned Darth Vader was Luke's father. Major spoiler. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That was major. And one of my favorite scenes now still is when Han saves Luke from the Hoth monster. And that famous line of Han's. Han Solo cutting open the dead Tauntaun, shoving Luke inside. This may smell bad, kid, but it'll keep you warm till I get a shelter up. Ugh. And I saw they smelled bad on the outside. And also Leia and Han's little banter, uh, Princess Leia. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. Han Solo. Who's scruffy-looking? And then we get to meet the wise old Jedi Master Yoda and all Luke's training, which we all know too well, that he didn't finish because he went to face Vader too soon. And we also get to meet Lando Calrissian and another scoundrel friend of Han's. Even though we thought we couldn't trust him for betraying Han by handing him over to Vader, but Lando probably had no real choice because I'm sure Vader would have killed him and taken over Cloud City anyway. But he made up for it later by helping Leia escape and trying to rescue Han. And then, of course, I always love the fact that romance between Han and Leia. That's always my favorite part, Jen from New York. So that's Jen. Thank you, Jen, for writing in. I think... Go ahead. Every future science fiction writer, if they are going to incorporate romance, uh, uh, regardless of gender or species, I think they should take a note from these three movies because there's that... It's a beautiful, subtle, really passionate romance that happens but it's not like crammed up your nose with stupid picnics and stupid forests with riding weevils and crap like like it's it's just delicious it's delicious to me what are you alluding to i don't understand yeah (laughs) that and and what was the and like in um the romance between uh, Wash and Zoe in um, in Firefly. Yeah. Another just gorgeous, elegant way to represent um, just a, be- a bonded relationship between two beings, but not like stupidly overly done. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Not that I have an opinion. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on what Jen is saying? I mean, these are some good lines. We didn't really talk about the Tauntauns, but that's a, uh, you know, a great, great line by Han. And uh, the Nerf Herder line. I, I remember the, the, the scene when they freeze hand in carbonite. I mean, for a 10-year-old kid, I thought that was scary. Uh, just what was going on there and everything like that. And, and he's just kind of in this block of, yeah. frozen in this block of metal and, and, I, and we were talking about before the show how in, in the trivia that one of the reasons that they did this is because Han was not committed to do the third movie. Mm-hmm. And there was, a, there was a chance that this was going to be it for him. Really? Yeah. So that's, uh, they eventually managed to get him into it. And Lucas said, look, I have a key role for you in Return of the Jedi. And that doesn't know how that got, all got worked out. But originally, uh, originally uh, he, he, you know, Harrison Ford wanted uh, Han to be killed off. Yeah, and he Lucas refused. Lucas refused to do it. Mm-hmm. And, 
we're grateful for that. Well, well there was a there was a interview with Harrison Ford that Barbara Walters did years ago uh, before uh, the fourth Indiana Jones movie, well before the end of fourth Indiana Jones movie came, and she asked him point blank if he would be happy to revisit Han Solo. And at the time, he was like, no, I really don't have any desire to go back to that character. I think that they've done everything they can do with that character. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this is – and then, of course, she asked about Indiana Jones. He was like, in a New York minute, I'd play Indiana Jones again. So we're, well, this is like 15, 20 years ago that this right. interview took place. <laughs> so, you know, oddly enough, he ends up going back to both characters. But at the time, you know, it didn't look like either one of them was going to ever maybe, come back. Maybe he changed his mind about Han – and after he realized what a disaster the fourth Jones <laughs> movie was, well, and he know, needed to make it up to the to the world, like, look, I screwed this up. Uh, I shouldn't have said yes. And uh, Sean Connery was right. And uh, yeah. yeah, here you go. Here's Han Solo. I'm very I would, sorry. I would like to think that he's uh, selective enough in what the roles he in the projects he takes on at this point in life that he probably did it because it looked fun. You know, Agreed. it's not like he needs the money. Right. Um, and so I would like to think that he was convinced that it would be fun to do um, the same way that they got Leonard, you know, give it to J.J. Abrams, whether you love him or hate him. He convinced Leonard Nimoy to come out of retirement mm. for the rebooted Star Trek movies because uh, that guy didn't need any money either. No. And he had retired. He had retired flat out from acting. Well, and then he put he didn't he write two books. I am not Spock. And then like a dozen years later, I am Spock. Yeah, he wrote uh, he wrote a book. I'm not Spock in the seventies. And, and people took that to mean that he hated Star Trek and he hated Spock and all that kind of stuff. And he really did. And it was just sort of an ironic title. Mm. Um, he had to, that, he had to write the sequel to explain to the people who never actually read the first book. Hey, I was <laughs> kidding. I was ironic. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, but at that point, you know, in the early two thousands, he, he had pretty much withdrawn from acting and, and was concentrating on photography and, other things and then jj comes along and says hey i got this juicy little part for you did, uh, did, i i just went on to harrison ford's um uh, i'm just in a little bit of shock at the moment harrison ford's imdb page there is an announced indiana jones five okay yeah no, I, I i did hear no. ru- i did hear rumors i heard that. rumors that they were they wanted to do another one and disney didn't want they were not ready to recast the role just yet. They wanted to try to get one more with Harrison Ford. No, no, so. didn't they learn? Well, well you know, yeah, it, it, I, how much of that was, you know, Harrison Ford's fault uh, versus the script that was handed to him? I mean, it's well, it's I think Harrison should realize like there's a point when it's like Robert Zemeckis said about about uh, and we'll always say about Back to the Future. The it was supposed to be one movie. Mm-hmm. And then it became three and they told the story they wanted to tell and it was done and everybody wants you. Oh yeah. Another one, another one. No, this story is told in three movies and it's done. There yeah. will never be a fourth movie. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think Indiana Jones is one of those characters that can be rebooted from time to time. Like yes. Rebooted, and, yes. And, and I, I, on the other hand, and then I don't really have a lot of love for crystal skull. <laughs> I was no. I was excited about it when I first heard about it, and the first time you see him wearing the outfit, you get all jazzed and everything, and then of course it falls apart right after that bit with the yeah. refrigerator. Oh, yeah. um, but I thought for sure <laughs> that we were done with Rocky movies, and I thought we were done with Rambo movies, mm. and then along comes Rocky Balboa and the fourth Rambo movie to prove right. me wrong. Right. I'm like, okay, they can still get a little juice out of these guys. Well, and then they come up with the. Uh... 
<laughs> what what's that slew of characters that they bring back? The Expendables, Expendables two, and you and you parody of itself. Well, yeah, you, it but you watch them because you love these movies, and I think it's one of the things that draws us back to things like Indiana Jones five, which by the way is just rumored at this yeah, it's point. Just rumor, but but I mean Rocky Balboa and and the fourth Rambo movie were actually pretty solid films, you know. Well, it's because he knows how to make a movie. He knows how to make a movie. You, yeah, you can, you can, uh, at least with those two characters. I mean, I was blown away by how good Rocky Balboa was. Well, and there's I the get... next film coming out about Apollo Creed's kid, and that looks good too. Oh, I can't wait to see that. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm if, with a solid screenwriter. I think we can get one more good Indiana Jones movie out of Harrison Ford, and then I'm happy to let them recast that role. Uh, just like they did with, uh, you know, I, I was kind of done with James Bond after the last Brosnan movie. And then like, here comes Daniel Craig to prove us all wrong. So but see, what, do I, with, what do I know? With a with a franchise like 007, by changing the faces, you get to change the environment more. Because mm-hmm. like yeah. if it was still Pierce Brosnan, it would like I just saw Spectre this weekend. And there's a lovely little throwback to uh, Sean Connery 007 era. Sure. Which, I loved, 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 loved. And they can take that and by, by getting a new actor, they can they can recreate it and put it into a more contemporary position. Yeah. With Indiana Jones, by keeping Harrison Ford, you're still kind of dragging along this old yeah. baggage. So unless this is a torch passing, yeah. I, 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 I don't I'm 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 apprehensive. I'm ready for them to recast it with a younger actor and put it back in the thirties. Yes, oh, definitely. Yes. Um, I agree with that. And you know, th- and they're doing the same thing with the. Uh, I know we're dragging time here. Yeah. Uh, the, the Die Hard. They're, they're talking about a Die Hard movie with a with Bruce Willis playing McLean, but yet Ugh. a flashback in the middle to tell us the origin story. And I'm like, the origin story was the first Die Hard movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But apparently, they feel the need to go back to show us what he was like as a uniform cop. So, you know, I'm like, that would okay, be interesting. it could be interesting. It, of course, it was already done in the comic books, but, oh. um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm, I was so disappointed in the last Die Hard. Anything, anything would be an improvement. So Die Hard and Die Harder were it for me. Die Hardest, Die, Die for More Cash and, mm-hmm. and My Career is Dying. Those movies <laughs> just were a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but right. going anyway. back, coming back to this new franchise and this new, like, revitalization of Star Wars, I'm, uh, how uh, Dayton? I know the boys and I have talked about it. How do you feel about about what's what's to come in like twenty I'm, something days? I'm hopeful. I'm excited about it. My girls are excited to see it. I can't wait to take my kids to see a Star Wars movie. Um, I, like I like I've told people before, my oldest daughter is the same age I was when the first movie came out. That's awesome. Oh. So we're going to be going to take. I'm going to. So we're going to go see a Star Wars movie the way it's meant to be seen on oh. a big screen with a big crowd and everybody jazzed and excited about it. So I can't wait. Yeah. And I'll be honest, when I saw the first trailer that had real footage in it, and the first time you see the inside of the Falcon and you see Han and Chewie standing oh. there, oh. I was nine years cry a little bit. I was Chills. nine years old again. Oh, I know. I'm like, I'm so ready for this. I, so, I, oh. I yeah. my eyes welled up. I was just like, oh, there, it's it's I, I I completely understand and agree with you because this same thing. Yeah. And my kids are excited. My kids were bringing me their Chromebooks because they have Chromebooks for school, 
and they've loaded up YouTube and they've got the trailer and they're pointing me at the trailer and they're showing me and we've watched the trailer like 14,000 times, you know, and, and, but they're looking at it. They're look, they're not picking it apart. Like we would look at it. They're, they're not dissecting it. They're not analyzing it. They're not looking for clues or Easter eggs. Childlike wonder. They're basically yeah. just going, dad, look at star Wars. It's like, child. Yes, you're uh, right. So, yeah. I'm I can't wait to go and watch it because I, I I know for a fact that it will. I'll have a, I'll actually go have a cocktail first so that I can be super relaxed and can enjoy it with that childlike wonder I had the yeah, first time I saw I, it. I've I have I have gone out. Of, I don't typically do this, but I've gone out of my way not to read too much or see too much or watch too much. Right. I just want to go there with my kids, and I want to I want to hear that music no. well up when it's when it, and you know when it says a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. I'm going to be nine years old. Again. Yeah. You know what? When you guys after after you see it, the three of you should sit down and record a podcast. <laughs> you should. Be. You should. be like have yeah. your girls talk about it. That's yeah. a blast. It could be fun. It could be fun. But you know, and and we watch we watch the other stuff together. They they really dig the cartoons with the the two, you know, very prominent female hero characters, uh, yeah. Rebels. And yeah. so you know, it's I love Rebels. It's it's for them. Yeah. It's for them yeah. and for me. It's you know, uh, people who say Star Wars isn't for isn't for kids are insane. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Uh, I can't wait to see Jar Jar Binks back. I mean, the trailers. I, the <laughs> Curse trailer, you! The, the, tra- the trailers that I watched had Jar Jar in them. Josh. You know what? I don't know what you're smoking, <laughs> Poodle. I have but seen no. That. And on that note, we should probably we should probably wrap up this show. Uh-huh. Uh, Dayton, it was a pleasure to have you back on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast Thanks, tonight. Dayton. It's been a while. I'm glad. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it was great. And uh, look forward to keeping tabs on you. Uh, what? Uh, go ahead. Pimp your website. Where can people find out about you, what you're publishing, your rants, everything? Come find me at DaytonWard.com. Uh, that is a portal to my blog and my Facebook and my Twitter. I forget what else is on there. Instagram and all that stuff. Right. Um, I, I don't rant too much, but... Every once in a while, I try to keep it light. I try to keep it. I'd rather make somebody laugh than make them mad. Right. So, um, I, I try to keep things light on the blog, and it's it'll be a place to keep up with what I'm working on or what's coming up public public publishing wise, that kind of thing. Very good. Yeah, datemore.com. It's your portal to internet banality. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, it's holy been... crap! You've written a lot. <laughs> I need to start like now. Yeah, I like to eat. I like to eat. That's <laughs> yeah, there you go. He, he, he writes to eat, but. All right. Well, it, it's been awesome chatting with uh, with everyone here tonight. It's been great, Miles M. It's Yay. been great back with you. It's been a little bit. My wife's been sick. She's better, by the way. So, yay! Glad uh, to hear that. Yeah. So, but appreciate your flexibility and in, in allowing us to do in, in allowing us to move a week here. So, all right. Well, we have one more show. We'll be doing Return of the Jedi here in a week, and uh, we're going to be releasing these all in December. So. Uh, Return of the Jedi will be next and we'll be chatting about that coming up here in a few weeks and can't wait to do that the final Star Wars movie before The Force Awakens so I believe that's about yay I believe that's about it so uh, let's go ahead and wrap up the show here Uh, again I'm Scott Herzog I'm Miles McLaughlin and I'm M. Zero Garcia and thank you so much for listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast until next time good night and good luck See ya. Do your dailies. Mm-hmm.